borrowers when they're first starting out that are coming to me and they're telling me what they think I want to hear. Mm -hmm. They're telling me <laughs> right. that, oh, I only need it for 90 days. I, 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 it's going to be really quick. Listen, I, I, I'm going to catch me on that. Yeah. 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 You yeah. often say to me, don't tell me what I want to hear. Don't tell me what I want to hear. <laughs> tell me what the deal is. qualifies you to speak on private lending and conventional lending. Okay, so uh, I've worked in financial services for eight years now. I started off as an independent financial advisor uh, with a major insurance company, built that business for five years. Uh, uh, on January 1st, 2018, uh, I left that business and sold my practice and moved into mortgage, becoming a mortgage agent. Okay. Um, January 1st, 2018 is also a little bit of a significant date, if anyone knows. That's the day that the stress <laughs> test came out. That's the day that the lending world very much changed. So uh, one thing that I pride myself in as a, as a mortgage agent is I, I only have been a mortgage agent in today's lending environment. I hear so many senior agents talk about the good old days yeah. and what they used to be <laughs> able to do and 5% down rental properties and this and that. Okay, that's fantastic and, and I'm great that that was the opportunity 10 years ago, but in today's world, that's not how it works. So uh, since 2018, uh, I built my business. I currently have five agents on my team. Uh, we, we do business all across the country. Uh, we work in conventional practices. So we deal with the A lenders. Uh, we deal with B lenders for a little bit more you know, credit sensitive situations or the unique scenarios. We deal with MIX, uh, which are mortgage investment corporations. And a, a, a large portion of our business is direct private lending. So we're dealing with individuals who are lending cash, uh, off their home equity line of credit, using their registered retirement accounts, uh, lending on secured mortgages. So lending their money secured on a mortgage on, a, on, on an investment property. Um, in saying that, we don't deal in the consumer side of private lending. So the consumer side of private lending is Bob and Mary, you know, they got a boat, they got their credit cards, they're looking for a second mortgage to consolidate that. That's not the type of loans that we're gonna do. Yeah. We're gonna lend to John and Susie, who you know are, are putting a duplex, uh, putting a suite in their house. They need a second mortgage yep. to do the value-added renovation. There's a clear exit strategy. They have comparables that support the higher value. Yep. They're pre-qualified, so that's that's how that's the type of lending that we do. So you stick to what you know, right? Yep. I always find it's funny how you know you'll deal with people that are, are handling loans for a lenders in the bank, and they've never owned a house. They don't understand necessarily what they're dealing with they just pump it into a system the system has a risk profile associated with it yes no and there's no creative solutions right where you guys are offering different solutions than conventional products based on people's needs right and i think we've seen that in the marketplace that i, I was reading an article about it about cmhc's forecast of the housing market dropping 18 percent and a lot of secondary lenders coming in and taking ground on them in terms of just conventional mortgages and CMHC's now backtracking and they're actually <laughs> opening up and they haven't made a public statement which is hilarious they haven't said we were wrong but they're changing their policies little by little um steve a little bit of your background so they understand who you are yeah so my background and ruth and i actually got started about five and a half years ago we, okay we got started on a, a real estate investing journey yeah it was something that that we wanted to do because from a, a retirement perspective we said we need to do something different than yeah. what we do and so five and a half years ago, we uh, embarked on this real estate journey. 
got to got to know Kyle real well, and uh, between Kyle and I, he said, "Why don't you become a mortgage agent?" So uh, back in March, February is when uh, I got my license, and uh, I'm learning the from the school of hard knocks. Yeah. Knocks. <laughs> knocks. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, you know, Kyle and I, we we work together uh, on all sorts of. Of different solutions for, for people. That's what we do. We bring it, it's amazing how unique every situation is and we have to we have to dive in and understand all the details and, and figure out what the, the best solution for them. And yeah. Ruth really understands the backside of the real estate side of oh, things too, she's right? Like she's got yeah, she's she's yeah. incredible to deal with. I've I've had the pleasure of dealing yeah. with both of these gentlemen and their spouses on, you know, some deals that we've done in the past and it's been pretty incredible to see you know their strategies right and how they incorporate it and now I think what's happening is they're getting to that next point where you know you can keep doing it for yourself over and over which I'm sure you guys right. will keep doing yeah. but the real gratification comes from helping other people yep. and you know I think there's a little bit of a misnomer and myth when it comes to private lending that you know all private lenders are literally just signing a check they don't care about you they're not involved in the transaction right. over and beyond here's my sheet you don't pay me I'm taking your property now those people are out there. I know some of them. I don't right. send them some of my clients because well, yeah. it's got to be a good matchup, right? So, like, how do you guys really look at creating relationships or when you're lending money? Let's talk private lending first. When you're lending money out, how do you look at the people or, or their strategies and really find the, the fits for what you do? So, for, for my side, and I'm fully transparent about this, uh, I'm not a lender myself in my business. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I own real estate, I buy real estate, and I marry. Uh, marry people together. Mm -hmm. So I have people who are looking for a great rate of return sure. and I have borrowers who are qualified good people who are looking to uh, to borrow that money and make an investment and, and pay that money back. So um, what, what I'm looking for is certainly a lot to do on the character side. Um, I'm looking exactly. for somebody who will, who will go to McDonald's and work a job to pay this money back if mm -hmm. everything goes south. Yeah. Sour. Yeah. I want to know that no matter what my, my lenders are safe and secure. Um, and maybe Steve can touch a little bit more on what well, you know what you look for individually. Well, it's the same. Like yeah. it's all about trust, and I want to understand the character really, really well. Like I mean, their background, like their, their background, story, everything. I want right? to understand where do they come from. I even want to even get to know their parents. Sure. Like what what kind of parents were they for these for these folks that were, that were talking talking because the the we, we marry borrowers and lenders together and. We want the lender's money to be protected. Mm -hmm. We want the borrower to, to, to get looked after as well. And, and the character, I, I can't say enough about character. That And, and I'm a, a pretty good judge of character. I, I've spent a lot of my time in sales. Yeah. I get to know people really, really well. I ask good questions that, that, that un, uncover character. Mm -hmm. um, it reminds me of a day on the golf course that we, we were talking to a guy and and uh, we, we were, it, it alluded to the possibility of cheating, and I, yeah. I kind of set him up a little. Sure. And he says, oh, you do those little character tests with people every now <laughs> and then. And I do, because yeah. I, oh, so, and so Farad, you wouldn't cheat on the golf course. And actually, he, we were talking about that possibility. So, you know, I, I, uh, I, I pay attention to the little subtleties of folks, and it, it's really important. I think it even goes to like, you know, if you look at the larger networking groups, a lot of people here I see in other groups that we're part of and we'll see conversations creep up and you'll see different levels of people that are Absolutely. in the game, right? Mm -hmm. And like you'll see 
some people saying things, you can automatically see things in their character that you're like, you know what, that's probably not fit for me. Or we jump on qualification calls. We were paddleboarding talking about this the yep. other day. Yep. You know, when we qualify clients, what we're qualifying them for isn't necessarily like, are you good enough to work with me? Is are you a good fit for me? Right. Because there's people out there that are probably a good fit for you that do a different type of business than I do. Yep. And I really think if you really qualify and that attraction mentality you end up building a community that you want to support and help. And then like you were saying, you end up having these people that are lenders that want good rates of return that maybe don't see it in the stock market and right. can see it in real estate that now have a trust in you. Well, you have to honor that trust so over and beyond the money. Absolutely. It becomes the relationship that you don't want to let that guy down. Yeah. Right. And it, yeah. It's a very interesting dynamic. Now yeah. let's pretend you're a, you're a brand new fresh investor and you know, you're looking for private money to do a project. How do you qualify somebody like yourself? Yeah. that is going to put you in touch with a lender. Yeah, so I, I want to tie into what you said right there about being the right fit. I have so many borrowers that when they're first starting out that are coming to me and they're telling me what they think I want to hear. Mm -hmm. They're telling <laughs> right. me that, oh, I only need it for 90 days. I, 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 it's going to be really quick. Listen, I, I, well, I'm going to catch me on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You yeah. often say to me, don't tell me what I want to hear. Don't now. tell me what I want to <laughs> hear. Tell me what the deal is. Tell, don't, you're, you're not helping yourself long in the long you're raising term. an alarm right you're raising an alarm yeah. like i've done enough projects to know that you're not duplexing a house and refinancing it in 60 days right it's not going to happen even if you get it done in 90 days it's going to take 30 to 60 days to get that refi paid out yeah. so let's not let's not let's be honest with ourselves about what the project is and in order for me to match you up with a good lender we got to make sure that your timelines match so timelines is a big one where, where people are just making a mistake on that uh be honest be upfront if you need a year request a year right uh this, the second thing that i, I want to add in terms of uh the borrowers you need to understand when i'm asking when we're asking about exit strategy what's the exit strategy we're asking it's important that you know what the exit strategy is for you and how you're going to get out of the deal but we need to be able to clearly articulate that to the lender so if your strategy is i'm going to refinance i'm going to refinance on the back end but you're only lifting the property 10 percent or 15 percent there might not be enough equity to pay my lender out. Yeah. So just the answer of we're gonna refinance, that might not be good enough. You need to be able to, sh to show, so I can articulate to my lender on this deal, that hey listen, they, you're lending $400,000, the property is gonna be worth 600,000 when the project's done, yeah. which means that 80% loan to value, 480. 480 on the mortgage, yeah. which I can go to my lender and confidently say, there's lots of meat on this bone, that even if everything goes wrong, your 400 is still secure. Yeah. Even if they get an appraisal at 500, we can still get your 400 back. So a lot of the borrowers are, are they're 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 not understanding the the what to, the the exit strategy is just as important for you as it is for the lender. So just make sure you're putting both hats on when you're talking to your broker or you're talking to your private lender yourself. And systemize it, right? Like literally, it, it's probably pretty prudent to be doing that anyways on your pro formas of what is my exit strategy for myself. And you should be able to take that document, send it to Kyle or Steve mm -hmm. and translate that to the lender and say, this is how I'm going to get out of this project or if everything goes sideways. Because we get calls from private lenders all the time that say, hey, got this address thrown on my desk. This is what they want. Like if I'm 70, 30 on this, you know, am I going to get my money out? Right. And I'm going to look at the worst case scenario. I'm not going to look at market data because by the time this all happens, the market could have gone south. And I'm like, mm -hmm. that's a no brainer. Like that property's worth that all day long. I'll greenlight the deal. But there's lots of deal that I haven't greenlit because I'm like, no, I, it's, 
you know, assume the guy's not going to do what he says what he's going to do. Is there enough meat on the bone yep. to execute, right? So you kind of want to run a couple different situations, and you know, the worse you run it, your upside is massive from there. Because yep. if you look at the worst case scenario and then you execute and you do it well, you're probably going to be very, very happy with the results, right? Absolutely. And, and not only just put meat on the bone for the lender, most of our lenders want to be able to see that our borrower is profitable when this is all said and done. Yeah. Most, of, most of the lenders we deal with are you know, hardworking, you know, mi middle to maybe upper class Can sure. Canadians yeah. that you know, have worked really, really hard to get where they are. And they're not looking to just make 12% on their money and you know, rip everyone off. Yeah. They want to see that the, the borrower is going to borrow that money at 12% and be profitable on the project as yeah. well. Because if they're profitable, well, that money keeps rolling. The yeah. second that gets paid back, they want to lend that money back out. The borrower, they made money, they'll take it Go back. Go do something else, right? Go do, yeah. do it again. Because it, well, it's knowing that somebody's solid, right? Like being able to give that mechanic your car over and over and say, have fun with it, right? Like, send me a bill when you're done. You build these relationships with people and you realize like, say you build this massive community of you know, lenders and investors and everything else, you'll have the 80-20 rule still applies 20% of your investors are going to be deploying probably 80% of the funds. You're going to invest more in those relationships because, A, it's fun to watch people succeed. I was with a guy who's a monster, sold a company for a very large sum of money two weeks ago, and I told you this, I think. Like, I didn't even care about the transaction. Like, I was showing him the house, we were having fun. It wasn't the right property for them. I was just like, Dude, I want to pick your brain. Like everybody that meets this guy, I'm sure wants something from him. I don't want anything from you. If I never see you again, this was a phenomenal opportunity. We developed a friendship after, and we're working together now. Sure. And you know, he said the same thing. He said, you know, he got to where he got, which a lot of people would look at him and be like, man, that's unattainable. He sees people above him that are just like leaps and bounds beyond where he's at. And he's like, you know, the people that are doing it are doing it for the journey. And they're never satisfied. Like, watch the Michael Jordan documentary, yeah. right? Like, you know, you ask these people, how how long did that high last? And they're like, a day, maybe. Like, mm -hmm. I got the trophy. But then it's like, you know, what's next? What's that, that next stage of growth? And it's about growth, not goals, saying, I want a million dollars because that's what's going to create, you know, freedom and all my problems are going to go away. I think right. your problems are created by not doing the work to get you to where you want to be, which is qualifying the people that you're working with, having all your ducks in a row and understanding what the people you're working with want from you and then identifying holes in the systems and constantly patching them right like i actually love that you're here as well being kind of newer to that world mm -hmm. i think that's the best thing i think if you hired somebody that was literally just 40 years in the business they're broken like i don't want agents that have been in the business for 25 years because they do business how it's been done for 25 years and they're almost broken to me i want people that i can train from the ground up because I can show them how we do business and how it's different than anybody else. And then when they see how business is actually done, they're like, oh my gosh, like yeah. how, how is it still operating this way? And you're probably well, seeing some of those insights in the industry where you're like, you see things happen and you're like, man, like there's so much ground for us to take, well, right? People on, people on Kyle's team come with that, that yearning to yeah. learn. Like uh, everybody on the team wants sure. to know more. And uh, we, you know, we spend a regular amount of time once a week just learning because yeah. there's so much to know. 
So you guys actually you have like a dedicated time where you're mm -hmm. you're learning. What type of stuff are you guys digging into? <clears throat> so it, it's everything from the mortgage process. Uh, the mortgage world is changing every single day. Sure. Um, uh, there's a, a there's a joke that we made at the last one. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 there's a it's called the five C's of credit. Um, is how you're qualified. Uh, there's actually the sixth C of credit right now, which is COVID. Okay. Um, <laughs> so what, what, are the, what are the five C's? Capacity, <laughs> character, collateral. Uh, Did you say credit? Uh, nope. Capacity, collateral, credit. I might have to. I probably should have said. Co yeah. Yeah. Maybe COVID. Yeah. It, it's 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 essentially how they're looking at you. So That's they're right. talking about you know where the down payment come from. How are you earning your money? What's your payment history? All the things that you've all, that the un, that you're always being asked in the mortgage process. That's the five C's of credit. Okay. So um, the the a big one right now is every single file. There's some element of COVID on it. So. The, the not actually COVID. Not like, actually COVID. No, 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 yeah. right. um, there's uh, <laughs> what I mean by that is we need to explain how this person's income has remained stable throughout COVID and how this industry is protected going forward in COVID. Interesting. So an example is um, on pay stubs. Pay stubs. Are, are, is your year-to-date income down? Okay. So were you laid off during COVID? What was the reasoning for that? Was your company just being super protective of the employees? and decided to shut down as respect for the country? Or was their business shut down and their industry's now at risk? That will affect your future ability to make payments on the mortgage, and the lenders are concerned yeah. about that. We just dealt with that on a lease file where sure. they were concerned, well, is that, uh, is that an essential service? And it was tied to an essential service, so they worked straight through COVID, so it showed her the government declaration of that and everything was fine. But yeah, it's you gotta go an extra step because yep. the banks are doing that. Yep. Well, sometimes mortgage deals, they'll they'll stretch out you, you won't timing just doesn't always work and if it goes long enough and and you don't have a current actually no older than 15 day pay stub on file yeah they the, lenders, the, the lenders coming back saying need another pay stub even yeah. though you did all the work that you same with bank statements all kinds of stuff that they're asking and, and that is, more, for more information and she made a great point there in kind of this <coughs> world right now timing uh, um, you know, I, I love to oh, tell I love to tell clients that the refinance at the end of their yeah. burr or their flip to their sell will take 14 mm. days. Mm -mm. But but guys, it, 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 it's just not happening. Yeah. No. It's taking 30 days. It's taking 60 days in some scenarios. And I know people don't like to hear this, but <clears> when <throat> uh, when an underwriter is evaluating a file, a primary residence purchase takes precedent. A, a, a rental right. property purchase takes precedent because there's a firm closing date. Mm -hmm. The refinance of a rental property, Doesn't matter to them. it gets pushed down in the pile. And, and I hate mm -hmm. telling my clients that because it's, it's, it's always at the top of our pile. It's the first thing that, we're, that we want to yeah, do for you, right. but we're only, we can only move as fast as uh, the institutions that we deal with. I've learned to nag really well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm amazing at that as well. I learned that over the years, like systemize the nagging process. Literally, yeah. like right. in our CRM, Seriously. we have touch points with the lawyers and the lenders. And nag like, one, nag two, nag three. Literally, Dates. like almost every day, our admin's incredible at it. And she'll just hit one button every day, every day, every day. And then they'll just do it to just get you to stop emailing them. Right. But you know, if you don't, you're gonna get pushed to the bottom of the pile as well. But I think, you know, it also comes down to relationships probably yep. that you sure, have absolutely. with the institutions, yep. right? Like if they yep. know that you're gonna be somebody that's got their ducks in a row, it's gonna be easy to process, they're not gonna have to spend two weeks going back and forth with you. We're likable with our lenders. They yeah. probably our, process you know. your files quicker than somebody who's just a mess every time they email them. Like they yeah. probably really get pushed down to yep. the bottom of the pile, yeah. right? It's yeah. absolutely true. So let's stick to conventional lending for a second. Um, you know, maybe give the audience <laughs> a bit of an update. What's happening with the A banks? Like maybe just 
bullet points and then maybe some myths that are out there in terms of what people think the A-lenders are doing right now that they actually aren't. So they're, they're certainly scrutinizing every file. Um, the, the, those of us who are you know, using leverage to build our portfolio, uh, they wanna see things like cash reserves. Um, one one uh, document request that hasn't been as prevalent in my early career as a mortgage agent, that's become a lot more prevalent now, uh, financial statements if okay. you're incorporated, right. and showing a profit in that business. So it's great if you're paying yourself something, but if that business isn't profitable, the lenders have concern about the, the amount of leverage on your portfolio. So uh, starting with cash reserves, I know as an investor, there's nothing I hate more than cash sitting in my checking account. Uh, I want that out. I want it a higher rate of return. I want to buy another property. I want I want it out. But if you're going to the lender for your fifth or sixth rental property, you have you know 1.8, 2 million, 3 million dollars worth of total mortgages. The lender wants to see. Can you cover that can, if everything stopped? Yeah. Yeah. And secondly, this yeah. is this is another thing, and I and I put a I put a post about <laughs> right when this came out. Mortgage deferrals. Take only what you need. My advice is don't do it. But with that being said, I understand that certain people have gone through some hard times. Maybe their tenant didn't pay. They lost their job. 100%. Don't miss a payment. Take the deferral. But. I've also seen people posting that this is a, a strategy. <laughs> this is a great cash flow strategy. I've seen that as well. Yeah. And it, guys, it is, please, please don't. If you have a deferral in place and you're able to make the payments, please cancel it now. It's not free money. It's not free money. The, 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 when it came out, they said that it won't affect your credit score, which is accurate, but right on your credit report, mortgage in deferral, natural disaster. So I'm in, I'm in the middle of a big refinance myself right now, and the underwriter made a point to come back and say how impressed they were that you know a younger guy who's got all these properties didn't take a single deferral throughout the entire mortgage process and was up to date on all the payments. So they were impressed with my capacity as a borrower that I had my cash reserves, I had my three months in my account. So that was those are, those are the type of things that if you're going to scale and leverage right now, show the lender that you're a responsible business owner. Um, I'm trying to think what else, what, what else is going on in the, the world right now? So as far as A lenders, do you have a sense of what they're prepping for in terms of, you know, just when you're talking to them, conversations that you hear happening, like do they think a second wave is coming? Are they kind of prepping for a fallout from all the government payouts? I, I've there is some concern. Yeah. Yes, there, 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 100% there is some concern there. They're in the risk business though, keep that in mind. Right? Yeah, well, yeah. But at the end of the day, guys, money is, we're still closing deals every oh, single yeah. day of the week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, people who were laid off over COVID are still able to get a, if they're back to work now, uh, and an investor who, who did take a deferral because maybe something happened, as long as we can tell the story there about what happened and why they took that deferral and why things are different now, we can still get financing. Uh, as long as your, your other things are buttoned up. Profitable financial statements, cash reserves, uh, up to date on all, all trade lines. So really showing, that, and I love what you said about uh, you know get, having your ducks in a row and submitting a clean file. I don't, we are, our, our brokerage standard now is we do not submit, uh, we, we, we want to submit broker complete files. Yeah. So we want to submit files that have everything up front. <laughs> Now, in order for us to do that, we need our clients to deliver that paperwork to us. So they're going to annoy you as much as anybody else. Yeah, exactly. Steve, Steve is going to be all over you. I think Anna's on this call. Anna's going to be all over you. So it's, awesome. it's, it's, it's crazy how stringent we need to be. How, how we need to get good, accurate information. 
even something <clears throat> as simple as not get getting a JPEG yeah. of a property tax statement it just annoys underwriters. It yeah. does. It, it, I I know this is behind the scenes stuff that most people don't know. They need to know though, right? Because they think like I mean they're they're out at dinner and they get an email from you saying hey you know that photo that you sent me that thing doesn't work I need an original like it's not because you're taking joy in sending an extra email it's because you want to make sure the file gets done and you don't have to make a call saying hey they dropped your file because they didn't have what they needed in time right and and I can very I can explain to to the audience (laughs) why that's so important is. You got to understand that whether you're being, whether you're incorporated business, whether you're a sole proprietor or just an individual buying investment properties, if you're on your third, fourth property, they are looking at you as a business. Yep. And as a business who maybe has over a million dollars worth of mortgages and several rental income, if you don't have a proper printer, scanner, fax <laughs> system, yeah. they're a yeah. little bit concerned right. about yeah. the viability yeah, of your business. Yep. Yep. And I know that's and, and the, to answer the, their clients' questions, does that JPEG have all the information we need? Yeah. Yes. But well, when we submit it to the Bay Street head office underwriting, and the third person picks up your file who's about to fund it, and they can, and they see a blurred image in a property tax bill, that's going to cause that last minute phone mm-hmm. call where the broker's calling you the day before closing and saying, we need that new statement because there's an issue here. Well, sometimes so, mortgage statements come in without addresses on Come without addresses? Like without the property address. Yeah, things, things like, that you don't even know that you know you need, but I mean equated to dumb and dumber writing on a napkin, IOU, this much money. Like that's how right. they're going to look at your file compared right. to people that are investors that are you know maybe in the same capacity as you but just are much more organized it just presents better right yep. like it's an ease of doing business that they're going to want to lend that's you right. more yep. right that's right everybody everybody get your personal net worth statements together people it's, a lot of yes. people don't even know what their personal net worth right. is that's another conversation entirely yeah. right but I, I think i think something else that comes up yeah. that i run into especially with business for self people is they 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 don't show any income yeah. yep. and that that's a concern yeah um and they're doing it for tax purposes. Sure. Yeah. But the thing is, you're reducing your income to sh- to save tax. That that that, that doesn't help it's, a whole lot. You know, it, we, it, yeah. we brand ourselves as creative brokers and you know investor focused. At the end of the day, if you're not showing any income, it's going to be very very difficult to get you conventional financing. Now, talking yeah. about fri- private financing, yeah. that's a different ballgame. I was going to say, let's mm-hmm. switch to that right yeah, now. That's, let's that's let's a different go from game. your yeah. kind of risk-managed, mm-hmm. A-type lending, like, yeah. you, know, you need income, this, this, this. Right. Like, you guys will look at a business owner that maybe is making millions a year, but on their bottom line, they're showing nothing because they're putting it all back into the company. Yeah. And you understand that they're growing the company, yep. and they don't necessarily just want to pay taxes. How do private lenders look at somebody like that? If, for the most part, the private lenders that we deal with, a lot of them are business owners themselves. They totally appreciate that. They understand what's going on. Yeah. As long as we can show the appropriate paperwork to, to say, hey, here's the company's financial statements. Here's the last six months of top line sales for the business. Uh, whatever that document might be to support that, uh, there's gonna be no issue getting a, a private loan. Mm-hmm. Uh, private lending is based on the equity in the deal. Okay. So uh, our standard now is we need an appraisal on every property recently 90 days is best. We can make six months worth. If it was six months work if we're in a uh, market that we know. Um, we need an appraisal on the property to know what the equity in the deal is. We need to know how much you need. I, so often I hear, um, uh, I bought the property for 300000 How much do you need? Well, it's 300000 That's not going to work, guys. <laughs> we, we, need, we need a little bit more detail on yeah. how much do you have in the deal. If you're looking for 100% financing, mm. say that up front. Oh. <laughs> and it might not be so... 
this is this is a talk. We've <laughs> talked about this before, we have. haven't we, Justin? Yes, we have. I uh, my belief is a hundred percent financing isn't given; it's earned. Yeah. You've negotiated equity in the deal. You bought the property for three fifty or three hundred. It appraised at three fifty. I can lend you three hundred thousand if it appraises for fifty grand more. You earn a hundred percent purchase price by buying a great property. And also relationship. Like yeah. you're, you're not going to do that for somebody that like the amount of private messages and just cold calls will get. I'm going to invest. I don't know how to get private money. I'm like you got to go earn those relationships first before you're going to turn around and I'm going to start digging up deals and deploying resources because. No lender is going to lend you money unless you have a track record with them. So yep. the person really matters in that One hundred percent, right? One hundred percent. Yeah. So you know, so when, back to character. Yeah. Back to character. Yeah. yeah. And it's absolutely critical. I think it kind of goes back to why are you investing? What are you looking to accomplish? The very beginning of the podcast where we talked about having a plan in place of what you want to do, and you know, do you look at investors that stick to what they know or have one kind of investment strategy type? versus others that are doing like a multifamily here, a burr here, a duplex here, and they're differently? Or do you look at them the same? Um, depending on their level. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we, have some, we have some pretty sophisticated investors who do all elements yeah, of they, investing. They do and do yeah. they have a team that kind of helps them yeah, do yeah. the different aspects yeah. of it? Yeah, so those type of people, I'm okay. If they, they got a multifamily this week, a flip that week, that's no problem. But if, if, if it's a cold call deal, and you're saying, well, I'm looking at a flip, I'm looking at a burr, I just want to know that you have 100% financing available. <laughs> I don't know how many of those we get. It's, like, and they're really nice guys, right? Yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. we'll spend 45 minutes uh, talking absolutely. to somebody about something, but absolutely. I think, you know, the the hunger and the self-education aspect of it, and reaching out to people in the network and, and giving them something of value, and then earning that relationship will help get you get there. Because if you're one of those people that have heard about the OPMs and 100% vendor financing and all yeah. these things, yeah, they exist and they're out there, but you really gotta have something of value to earn that first. Right, I think you know the one thing that you would want to say to somebody that calls you in that is, what's that baseline? Like, what's your value prop in the transaction? Like, yep. how did you get that equity? Right, and you guys need to be able to answer that question before you can expect well, somebody to just sign off on a deal. Something as simple as, do you have a renovation budget? And if they go, uh, yeah, it's, it's scary. It's scary. It's scary. And but so, they want a hundred percent. Yeah, and you know, right. getting a renovation budget you can google that like you can literally go into these groups and ask somebody that's done this before how do you get a renovation budget now you may get some advice that's gonna not necessarily be the most efficient but when you do one you dial that system in you cut out the fat right like you know i really liked hearing that you guys have these weekly training meetings because we do the same thing at prime and i still think we're so far from where i want to be right we talked about this the other day right it's like you know I look at what we're doing now and I ask our clients flat out, like, what sucks about the real estate industry? I, I actually had this conversation mm-hmm. with Andrew Hines mm-hmm. like yeah. last week. I'm like, what, what holes do you see? And we had a really good little back and forth about it. I'm like, okay, I talked to the team. I'm like, he's fresh. He hasn't been in the real estate industry. He's unspoiled, just like we were talking mm-hmm. about before. Yeah. You know, what is being done now? What can be done differently? And in the real estate industry, a lot. And then just go at it, change your systems adapt review and then repeat so you guys are constantly doing that probably in your own investing journey as well as on the lending side of things yeah and and i think you got to be on top of it because as we talk every single day something new happened that we need to react to and different ways of doing business or you see somebody and and reaching out to those people and asking them right and quite often like when you get to the level that you guys are at in terms of people you're dealing with 
as long as you can speak the language to a certain degree and they see that you're not just there to kind of leech a relationship, burn a bridge and move on, they're more than willing to share. Like some of the coolest people I've ever met are the most humble people I've ever met too. Right. Absolutely. So how do you, last question before we sign off on this, when you're developing relationships with these lenders, how do you develop these relationships with the lenders? Because it's the same thing as the audience that wants to develop relationships with people like yourself. How do you go out and create that community that drives the business that you want to do? So the there's lots of good deals in real estate. But if the deal is not accomplishing your goal, you're spinning your tires. So when we're talking to our lenders and we're, we're building those relationships with our lenders, it's very important that we understand what their goal is. What are they trying to accomplish? Is it income? Do they need income right now? Or is it about growth? Where they really love their career now, they're happy in their career and they, want, they just want to grow their money as much as possible and they'll worry about getting income off it later. Or do they need income now? Is timeline important? What's their, you know? So, so let's break right. that down for a right. second. Yep. So you yeah. have one, which is like just cash. They want a certain amount of money every mm -hmm. month, getting yep. just bumped into their bank account. And there's other people that want to take a hundred, turn it into two, take two, turn it into four, turn four to a million, because maybe they have a plan to invest it in something else, right? Yep. right? Okay. Yep. So, and, and and there's different type. You know, for I'll use an RRSP as an example. You can get a higher rate of return in your RRSP if you're willing to defer your interest. So if it's a one-year deal and it might pay 10% monthly to your RRSP and if you're retired you might need that money coming in or if you're saying I'm not retiring for five years you can defer that 10% I'll take 12 if you if you do no payments if I if I offer you no payments will you pay me 12% and I have borrowers who will take that sure. all day long because it helps them from a cash flow perspective so you have a borrower that's got the cash flow and then you'll have the other guy that doesn't need the cash right exactly right so sorry what were you gonna say I was just gonna say that there's different people in different stages of life and that and that's where we're at Ruth and I for example are at a different stage of life where you know building wealth isn't really necessary eventually when I decide what retirement is yeah because the <laughs> definition of retirement that most people talk about is quitting work I, I consider retirement is doing what I want when I want sure and if that means I want to work then I'm gonna work and that's why I'm a, I'm a mortgage agent because I, I enjoy real estate and, and all of that kind of stuff. It, it's it's about, um, where was I going with that? Uh, well, the different stages of life, right? So, so we're at in, in these different stages and, and depending on where you are, you might you might want cash, right? Um, but, you know, you take you take 100 grand at 12% for six years, it's gonna be worth 200,000, yeah. right? And so someone that's 40-ish, is uh, they're going to build wealth. They're going to defer. It. They're they're all looking for different it's things. Different I think things, you right? touched on but, something but as we well. We get to we get to know. Them, right? yeah. yeah, and I think you know we've said this before, but you know wealth doesn't necessarily come from your job, right? Like you're you're never going to get wealthy just trading time for money. It right. comes from the depth of relationships, and what ends up happening is you do a deal with somebody here, it turns into a relationship with you and them on the yep. golf course here, it turns yep. into another opportunity that changes your life completely. Like five years isn't a very long time no. but look at the journey that you guys have had and yeah. kind of where you've come and the time that i've known you as well right like you're if you put your brain back in that body back then and thought what you think now is possible it's oh. two completely different things totally. right because you see totally. kind of behind the curtain and that's what we're trying to do here is share behind the curtain with the audience and give them a little insight into your world so definitely appreciate um the insights and if you guys ever want to reach out to these guys 
feel free to DM me directly. I'll put all their information in the comments. This will be reposted on YouTube and in the group. And we're gonna end the episode here.